How do you mean that? Well, I mean that there are the colors and the beauties, the designs, the beautiful way things appear. People themselves, dull people, but I thought dull, appear fascinating, interesting, mysterious, wonderful. But that's only the beginning. Welcome to Strange People, Weird Worlds. Let's get this show started. Sometimes she goes and sometimes she doesn't. This time she didn't. This time she didn't. Anyways, well, you're here, uh, and nobody else. No. We had Casper. And uh, it sucks because we were waiting on Matt, so we didn't record, like, your haunted house story or anything. Man. Anya's living in a haunted house now. That I am. It is a, uh, pretty sure it's an older man who passed away on the staircase leading to my basement and uh, went on vacation. And I specifically told my one roommate who was there to hold down the fort while we were gone, do not open the attic. And like the story of Pandora's box, she couldn't listen. Open up the attic and uh, let him out. He's nice to me. It's great. He like fucks with her. It's very funny. Well, you know, you are one of those people. Like, it would be hard to be mean to you. Yeah. And I was oh, like, if you're mean to me, I'm going to sage you the fuck out of my house. Yeah. Like, and yeah, like, like if you don't like Anya... Fuck you. Right? You're just an asshole. Yeah. I've always said the same thing about myself, though. It's like, if you don't like me, there's probably something wrong with you. Like, I'm... I'm a genuine human being. I'm a nice person. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm... I'm even nice to the people who, like, are very rude to me. I'm just like, I hope you have a beautiful day. Yeah. Come with kindness. I'm a fun guy. We're fun people. fun guy. Like, I ate the mushrooms. We're some fun guys. That was a good one. But um, that used to be our code name back in the. You got any fun guys? Wow. Yeah. That's smart. Like in text, just fun guys. Fun guys. Fun guys. I got some fun guys. It almost went over my head, but my uh, my little topper caught it and brought it back down to me. Got it. We're talking about mushrooms. Mm -hmm. If anybody hadn't caught it, the psychedelic type of mushrooms. Yeah, the fun mushrooms. Anyhow. So yeah, you're living in a haunted house. Um, yep. I've also been admiring this this giant hourglass of water that you, uh, <laughs> My, you, you uh, seem to have brought in here today. 1.8 liter. Hold, hold it up next to your... Yeah, it, it's larger than your head. <laughs> it, it is, it, it's larger than my head. You know what's great is I take it into work, and it, at work they have those big water jugs. So I just fill it up to the brim. I chug two yeah. of those at work, and I got my water and this, take this is This is going to be on Instagram. Boom. Just <laughs> on it. Mine might be blurry. Couple there. Just snapped an Insta photo of Anya and her giant hourglass of water. So we'll get that out there for you guys. It's a hot summer. You guys got to stay hydrated. It is out hot. There. Uh, today we're drinking Crooked Stave. Uh, that's a local, uh, they do sour beers here in Denver. It's called Sour Rose Wild Ale Fermented in Oak with Raspberries and Blueberries. It is delicious. It's bubbly, it's elegant, it's crisp, it's a sour. Yes, and uh, <laughs> since our auditionee didn't show up, uh, we got a whole six-pack to ourselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got a lot of episode today, too, so buckle up, everybody. Buckle in, guys. Um, welcome to Strange People, Weird World, everybody. Welcome, guys. Yeah, thank so you. So glad to uh, have you. Sorry, it was, I feel like it's been a weird start now. Like, I'm off my game because, yeah. because uh, well, 
because Matt didn't show up. Yeah, we were waiting. We were waiting. 45 minutes. 45, yeah, we could have started early. We could have started early today, and I love starting early. Me too. I love getting done early. I get to um, go home, just relax. Yeah. But don't, you know, don't screw this up for me, Anya. <laughs> Welcome to Strange People Weird World. My name is Greg Tanner. With me, as always, from now on, is the marvelous, oh. the amazing, the wonderful, the super nice, the haunted... Anya, Daniela. Hello, guys. <laughs> thank, thank you for being here, Anya. Uh, of course, thank you for having me, as always, into um, your humble abode. <laughs> so, um, I hear from our, uh, our friend Chelsea Lane in Florida that their Burger King has an Impossible Burger now. I know you're an Impossible yeah. Burger fan. Yeah, Burger King everywhere has one. It's an Impossible Whopper. Yeah, how And is it's it? so good is that it good? it's impossible. Actually, I haven't had it yet, so. Okay. But I might pick it up on my way home because I don't want to cook. Yeah. Uh, I'll check it out. You know? yeah, not really. But, uh, Have you ever I, had the Impossible Burger? No. I, I When I say oh. check it out, I mean check out the idea of an Impossible Burger, like maybe make one of my own. Because oh, it's, okay. it's a veggie burger, essentially, right? Um, not or, necessarily. It's, it's vegan, right? So it's a veggie burger, but it it's, it's crazy. I haven't had meat, real meat, in over 10 years. Okay. So granted, maybe my like gauge of what tastes like real meat is a little off, but mm-hmm. it is the closest thing to charbroiled meat that I have had and okay. since I had an actual burger. Okay. Um, when I had it out in California for the very first time actually last year is when it was starting to kind of hit the market and surface itself. Uh, my burger bled and it was beet juice but it was bleeding and I was like are you sure this is not actual meat? That's fucking cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Definitely psyched that's, me out a little talented. bit. That's talented. That's talented. Um, I've been uh, I've been getting back into Kind of, kind of my culinary love lately because I've been cooking for my in-laws and um, you know Miranda's trying to eat healthier now too and I, I did go to culinary school I just don't want to work in a kitchen like so it's been cool it's kind of been putting me to the test because uh, our mom's on a special diet so I have to make like really yummy low-carb recipes and stuff like that mm. so we're, you know cauliflower chicken pizzas I just did these uh, really good chicken marinara stuffed zucchinis <sighs> Oh, that um, sounds so Yeah, good. so, you know, we're kicking ass and taking names, and I'm, I'm having fun cooking. I really love doing it. I don't know what to do with it as far as to, like, monetize it, because I don't want to work in a kitchen, like, at a restaurant, like, for sure. Because, I mean, working in the kitchen is just, like, a whole different ballpark. I mean, it almost makes you hate cooking. Yeah, yeah. Because it's then, hot and... And once you achieve head chef, it's an office job. Yep. Which I don't want either. And, yeah, like, I don't want to... I love cooking for family and friends Food and my truck. girlfriend. That is, yeah, that's kind of the only thing I, I'm thinking about looking into it. I don't know. That's I, my fallback plan. If everything yeah. else falls for me, food truck Yeah, you want to do a food truck? Oh, I love cooking. And yeah. my thing, so it's either going to be uh, French fries or quesadillas. Yes, both. Just both. You know what? Beautiful idea, Greg. Yeah, it's, you call it sticks and something. Sticks and discs. Sticks and discs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me stick some discs yeah. to you. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> that escalated quickly. We uh, at Sticks and Discs are not going to stick any dicks in you. And we are officially going to change the name now, too. Anyhow, um, after Anya's penetrated you... <laughs> <we're>, <laughs> 
we're going to talk about the Stanford Prison Experiment today. Oh. Now, if you are a hardcore SP Weird World listener and you've listened to all the bullshit I've put out over the last year, uh, you will know I have talked about this once. It was, uh, oddly enough, a day Steve didn't show up. Really? Yeah, I think this episode's cursed, actually, because last time I did it, I wasn't able to actually write out the information and get a solid show put. Mm -hmm. I just knew about it, and Steve didn't show up, and Josh and I just kind of did it together, and I really just winged it. Like, so... Weird. If you're a hardcore listener, you know what I'm talking about right now. Um, our back catalog is not available right now. I've, I've kind of gotten rid of everything before Anya and I have restarted this, if you haven't noticed... Uh, now you know. Now you know. And if you're wondering why uh, all that's not available anymore, it's just uh, Anya and I are kind of rejuvenating and uh, really putting our best foot forward on this. And, and starting anew. Kind of starting anew. So, um, you know, putting out the best show we can from now on and really doing the best, uh, not missing anything, making sure it's high quality every time. And, on uh, it like phonics. Yeah. So I actually did promise... Um, a full resurgence of this topic because I didn't do the best the first time and it is a, a topic I've always kind of loved and been interested in. I really love human and social psychology. A very fascinating field. Yeah, it really is. And uh, the Stanford Prison Experiment is a tremendous and wonderful example of how not to do social experiments. Oh, unethicalness. I oh, it's so terrible. Seeping out. It's so terrible. Oh. Um, it all, all spearheaded by um, Stanford psychology professor Philip Zambardo. I'm, I'm not looking at my information right now. It's Zamboni is what we're gonna call him, just because he because he's a pulled a Zamboni boner boner. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so let, let's just get in. So actually, uh, to preemptively and like I said with the last one, I wasn't able to get information. Uh, with this one as well, uh, we've been going through a family emergency right now, and I have been just working my ass off between home, hospital taking care of the dogs, and blah, 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 blah. Uh, we don't need to get into that. But I didn't actually write a show. Today I'm taking all the information straight from the uh, official website for the Stanford Prison Experiment. Oh. So this is going to be written from Dr. Zamboni's uh, perspective. Um, straight facts. Yeah, from his... I wouldn't call from it that. From his perception. Um, so I might kind of just edit it as I'm reading, um... I really kind of, I, I know the information, I know a lot about this, I've been living and breathing this topic for a couple of weeks now, just, there's a movie that came out in 2015, it's not bad, but it also was backed by, like, Philip Zam Zambardi himself, Zambardo, Zamboni. I just want to call him Zamboni. Yeah, it's, it's going to be Zamboni from now on. Uh, the movie's pretty accurate, um, it does, like, oversell some of the physical violence and stuff, um, Naturally, with Hollywood. Yeah, it's, it's Hollywooded up. But as I'm reading through, I'm going to kind of talk about how and why he screwed this up. Um, you know, the things I see that were wrong and my opinions. All right, so to start off the Pant Stanford Prison Experiment, um, I've, I've got his writing in front of me, and it's, it's a little terrible. Basically, the first problem with what he did <laughs> is when he put out the ad, he put out an ad advertising students needed for a prison experiment. Oh, God. So right away you've tainted the experiment. They're not supposed to. You need to put out a general ad 
yeah. you know, su- needs to be like a blind subjects study. needed for experiment. That way you get a whole mass of people from, you know, different variety of people. Yeah. Uh, studies to this day have shown by putting prison experiment, you, you've either attracted very violent people, um, you know, very law, you know, that kind of right-winged, mm-hmm. you know, type of person, uh, the kind of person who, not all cops, I'm saying, but, you know, the type of person who becomes a cop just to, like, push power on people and stuff like that. Or the complete opposite, which might have been the case at Stanford, because uh, at the time that this was going on, the college was known for its protests and social protests and things like that. And what year was this? This is 1971. Oh, Okay. No, the 70s. Yeah. Oh, boy. So basically, uh, you also are going to get people who are going to try and sway the experiment towards the side of, you know, left social justice, too. Yeah. Basically, the problem is people know what they're signing up for already. Yeah, you're already fucked up. Yeah. Jesus. Zamboni. (laughs) Uh, More than 70 applicants answered the ad, and... They were given diagnostic interviews and personality tests to eliminate candidates with psychological problems, medical disabilities, or a history of crime or drug abuse. Ultimately, left with a sample of 24 college students from the U.S. and Canada who happened to be in the Stanford area and wanted to earn $15 a day by participating in the study. That equates to about $92 a day right now. Not bad money for for two weeks of work. Studies actually, they're very, um... They can be lucrative. Yes. Yes. Um, The study, he says, our study of prison life began then with an average group of healthy, intelligent, middle-class males. These are all just white, 20-year-old men, basically. College kids? Yeah, college kids. The boys were arbitrarily divided into two groups by the flip of a coin. Half were randomly assigned, assigned to be guards and the other prisoners <clears throat> and the other two be prisoners. It's important to remember that at the beginning of the experiment there were no differences between the boys assigned to be prisoners and the boys assigned to be guards. They used flip of a coin to do random... Yeah. Randomized. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Zamboni, interesting choice of setting up your experiment. Yeah, it... Constructing the experiment. To help us closely simulate a prison environment, we called upon the services of experienced consultants. Foremost among them was a former prisoner who had served nearly 17 years behind bars. Uh, He served in San Quentin. This consultant made us aware of what it was like to be a prisoner. He also introduced us to a number of other ex-convicts and correctional personnel during an earlier Stanford summer school class we co-taught called The Psychology of Imprisonment. Our prison was constructed by boarding up each end of a corridor in the basement of Stanford's psychology department building. The corridor was the yard and was the only outside place where prisoners were allowed to walk, eat, or exercise, except to go to the toilet down the hallway which prisoners had to do blindfolded so as not to know their way out of the prison. To create prison cells, we took the doors off some laboratory rooms and replaced them with specially made doors with steel bars and cell numbers. 
At one end of the hall was a small opening through which we could videotape and record the events that occurred. On the side of the corridor was a small closet which became the hole or solitary confinement. Uh, it was very dark, very confining, and only about two feet wide and two feet deep, but tall enough that a bad prisoner could stand up in there. Oh, wow. An intercom system allowed us to secretly bug the cells to monitor what prisoners discussed and also to make public announcements to the prisoners. There were no windows or clocks to judge the passage of time, which later resulted in some time-distorting experiences. With these features in place, our jail was ready to receive its first prisoners, who were waiting in the, deten the detention cells at the Palo Alto Police Department. So after they picked who were going to be prisoners, they're kind of like, okay, we'll get back to you. And they didn't tell them that they actually set up for the real Palo Alto Police Department to come and pick them up from their houses and charge them in front of their like family and neighbors, handcuff them, blindfold them, took them to the actual booking center, like booked them, and then waited for them to be sent for to come to the college. Wow. So they had no idea. Yeah. Just, like, trying to go into that mindset of just being with your family, like, possibly being, like, who knows, an honor roll student, and all of a sudden you come up and get arrested in front of yeah. everybody. And yeah, like, and you know, like, it's back in the day, so, like, neighbors are seeing and talking. Every, and it's, this. like, talk of the town. Your parents are probably crying their eyes out. Yeah. I mean, I, I can only assume you probably told your parents that, like... You signed up for a study. You signed up but, for... Yeah, hopefully you told them, like, everything about it before this happened. So... Wow blindfolded and in a state of mild shock over their surprise arrest by the city police. Prisoners were put into a car driven to the Stanford County Jail for further processing. Uh, once at the college, each prisoner was systematically searched and stripped naked. He was then deloused with a spray to convey our belief that he uh, may have germs or lice. The prisoner was then issued a uniform the main part of this uniform was a dress or a smock. So basically they're just in like a nightgown looking kind of smock and they get nothing underneath it either. And it only has their prison number up on the left. Like no a name pants? Tag. No. Oh, they're man. They're like in dresses basically. That's just cruel, man. Yeah. On the front and back has his prison ID number. On each prisoner's right ankle was a heavy chain bolted on and worn at all times. Rubber sandals were the footwear, and each prisoner covered his hair with a stocking cap made from a women's nylon stocking to simulate head shavings. Interesting. Okay. Dr. Zamboni uh, says it should be clear that we're trying to create a functional simulation of a prison, not a literal prison. Real prisoners don't wear dresses, but real male prisoners do feel humiliated and do feel emasculated. Our goal was to produce similar effects quickly by putting men in a dress without any underclothes. Indeed, as soon as some of our prisoners were put in these uniforms, they began to walk and sit differently and to hold themselves differently, more like a woman than a man. I mean, they're just probably trying to sit so their balls aren't hanging out. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> that, or so they don't pinch their balls when they sit down. Yeah. Like, like 
I mean, a common courtesy for the guy sitting across from me. Like, hey, man, can you can you cross those legs? And being a female, like, I would never wear a dress with nothing underneath because that's just uncomfortable. And yeah. it makes you feel very awkward. So, of course, they're going to be holding their due days a little bit differently. Yeah. Talking a little right? bit weirder. Yeah. Hey, I mean, you got a breeze blowing up they're your butt crack now. You're probably, in the wind, probably like... feeling a little light-footed now because you got the breeze blowing up your butt. <laughs> or the, the AC or whatever's going on there. Back in the 70s, too, like, that was... I can't even imagine, like, how much their world was shook just by being put in a dress. Yeah, yeah. And you got a woman's stocking on your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the chain on their foot, which is also uncommon am- amongst prisoners... I was going to ask about that. ...was used in order to remind prisoners of the oppressiveness of their environment. Even when prisoners were asleep, they could not escape the atmosphere of oppression. When a prisoner turned over, the chain would hit his other foot, waking him up and reminding him that he was still in prison, unable to escape even in his dreams. That's some dark shit. Thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah, that is very dark. It's like, you're starting to sound like a fucking sadist. I was going to say, didn't they use the shackles back in, like, the early 1800s? Yeah, I mean, to, like, like trans- to transport the, you and stuff. Yeah, if you were, like, out on the yard doing work, but not, like... Just in walking your, not around in your, in your cell. cell. Yeah. And like I said, the stocking cap on his head was a substitute for having the prisoner's hair shaved. The process of having one's head shaved, which takes place in most prisons as well as in the military, is designed in part to minimize each prison's individuality. Since some people express their individuality through hairstyle or length, it is also a way of getting people to begin complying with arbitrary, coercive rules of the institution. The dramatic change in appearance of having one's head shaved can be seen on this page. Oh, no, it cannot be seen for you. Sorry, guys. <laughs> you can't see that. Uh, yeah, that, I mean, that would, that would suck. Definitely. I definitely know with, like, the military, so most of my family's military. Yeah. It's, and that's one thing is that the second you go into basic, like, your head is shaved juice, too, because it's like they literally want to strip you down to the core and then yeah. rebuild you as a soldier. Yeah. So you are kind of selling your own... Individual, you're selling your your soul in a yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. And then in prison, it's just about breaking you. Yeah. I don't know if they still shave your head right away in prison. I know they used to. I think they trim it. Like I think um, I don't think jails, but I think prisons. Maybe. I'm not sure, but I feel like I've seen some hairy motherfuckers on lockdown. Yeah. But. But then you could hide a shrink in that hair. True, true. I used to hide blunts in mine. I still had joints in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. So, this next one, I'm, I'm going to debate him a little bit with what he says. He says, the guards were given no specific training on how to be guards. Instead, they were free within limits to do whatever they thought was necessary to maintain law and order in the prison. Oh, and to command the respect of the prisoners. The guards made up their own set of rules which they then carried into effect under the supervision of Warden David Jaffe, an undergraduate student from Stanford University. They were warned, however, of the potential seriousness of their mission and of the possible dangers in the situation they were about to enter, as, of course, the same warning real prison guards get before they take on the job. An audio clip has actually come of this Jaffe guy Mentally prepping the guards to act a certain way. Because they want... This experiment was to get prison reform going. Like, 
Dr. Zamboni, on his own, was actually a very left-wing person. Like, mm-hmm. he, was, he was trying to do good. But he's baiting the experiment. Uh, one, he's acting as prison superintendent and the head psych- psychologist in his experiment. Which is already a clash of interests yeah, right there. You can't, yeah, you have to just monitor the experiment. You can't be part of it. Yeah. Uh, and then this Jaffe guy is the prison warden. So unethical. Yeah, so it's already unethical. And then they have on tape this, this the warden is actually telling them to, like, telling the guards to, like, be tough and, like, act like the pigs would do it. You know, we're trying to prove something. And wow, so it's already completely biased. Like, So now, instead of a genuine experiment, like, Zamboni claims that the guards inherent, like, this inherent evil is, like, in everybody. And if you give in this position of power, this is what happens to you. But he prepped them to be this way. Yeah, it's like you are telling them to, especially, like, with an experiment as such, when you have participants coming in, so last semester I took a huge class on, like, research methods and, like, designing these kind of experiments, and the biggest thing is it's, like, you cannot, um, what's the word? I can't think of the word, but, like, you can't contaminate the participant's mind prior to the experiment. They have to go into it with their own thought process. Otherwise, it's, um... Can't think of the word. It's contaminated. Yeah, it's yeah. contaminated. And now the guards are part of the experiment, or part like the guards are the experimenters now too, instead of part of the experiment. In a way, you know, they mm-hmm. they think they have a goal to accomplish in this instead of just freely acting. Or yeah, when in reality, it's like you guys are just at the same level as the quote unquote prisoners. Yeah. All the guards were dressed in identif- identical khaki uniforms. They carried a whistle and a wooden billy club borrowed from the real police. And they also wore uh, aviator reflective sunglasses. So they're going, Cartman, respect my authority. Wow. And then, Blocking off that eye-to-eye contact. And then, yeah, like you said, exactly. It blocks off the eye-to-eye contact. It dehumanizes the guards. You, you don't see any emotion from them and things like that. And, and also creates a perfect sense of unity. Yeah. And, you know, and lack of empathy and yeah. just that complete disconnect yeah. from one another. He says, when we began with nine guards and nine prisoners in our jail, three guards worked each of the three eight-hour shifts while three prisoners occupied each of the three barren cells around the clock. The remaining guards and prisoners from our sample of 24 were on call in case they were needed. The cells were so small, there was room for only three cots in which prisoners slept or sat with room for little else. At 2.30 a.m., the prisoners were rudely awakened from sleep by blasting whistles uh, for the first of many of what they called counts. The counts served the purpose of familiarizing the prisoners with their numbers, which they were only allowed to refer to themselves Mm. and be referred to as their prison number. No names. So they get waking up in the middle of the night. They already don't know what time it is. There's no light or anything they get to see. So this is mentally fucking with you already. And they would stand there and just, like, crazily make them go through these counts. Like, say your number. If you didn't say it fast enough, do it again. Uh, Remember the person next to you's number. And then they're being punished with push-ups and things like that. So they were in the agreement, said no physical punishment, 
but push-ups are definitely a physical That's punishment. That's physical, yeah. Yeah, and, like, I think we'll get to it later in this, too, but they end up, like, stepping on their backs while they're doing push-ups, having other people sit on their backs while they do push-ups. Jesus. Um, that was a form of punishment in Nazi concentration camps, too. Yeah. So the counts were a constant thing. Uh, middle of the night, middle of the day, several times per shift of guards did this to them. Like, these guys were getting ran ragged. At first, the prisoners were not completely into their roles and did not take the counts too seriously. They were still trying to assert their independence. The guards, too. They were feeling out their new roles and were not yet sure how to assert authority over the prisoners. This was the beginning of a series of direct confrontations between the guards and the prisoners. Push-ups were a common form of physical punishment imposed by the guards to punish infractions of the rules or display improper attitudes towards the guards or institution. When we saw the guards demand push-ups from prisoners, we initially thought this was an inappropriate kind of punishment for a prison, a rather juvenile and minimal form of punishment. That's a terrible way of thinking about yeah, that. Yeah, awful way. That is physical, physical punishment. Yeah, I and mean, a lot of people, I mean, it's it breaks you down after yeah. a certain point. Like, your yeah. muscles will become fatigued. Yeah, and like, I'm, I'm good for 10, 20 push-ups, maybe. <laughs> I can barely do four or five. Or yeah, maybe yeah three. like, if I can get on my knees, start doing some girl push-ups. Then like, I can knock out, like, 20, 30. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, no upper body strength. No. Nope. It's just rude. No, I got this big dad gut hanging down in the middle. Got these little twigs trying to hold me up. It's not happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. So because the first day passed without incident, we were totally su- surprised and unprepared for the rebellion which broke out on the morning of the second day. The prisoners removed their stocking caps, ripped off their numbers, and barricaded themselves inside the cells by putting their beds against the door. And now the problem was... What were they going to do about this rebellion? The guards were very much angered and frustrated because the prisoners also began to taunt and curse them. When the morning shift of guards came on, they became came upset with the night shift who they felt let this happen. <laughs> the guards had to handle the rebellion themselves. And according to Zamboni, what they did was fascinating for the staff to behold. At first, they insisted that the reinforcements be called in. The three guards who were waiting on standby at home came in, and the night shift guards voluntarily remained on duty to uh, help bolster the morning shift. The guards met and decided to treat force with force. They got a fire extinguisher and shot a stream of skin-chilling carbon dioxide and forced the prisoners away from the doors. Because um, the prisoners were basically barricading and holding like all the stuff against the doors. The guards broke into each cell, stripped the prisoners naked, took the beds out, forced the ringleaders of the prisoners into solitary confinement, and generally began to harass and intimidate the prisoners. Jesus Christ. Second day. Yeah, and this is when uh, one guard in particular, who ends up getting nicknamed John Wayne... Mm-hmm. Uh, really comes out as like the leader and the most brutal and we'll say creative guard and really takes us into his own hands. Um, there's a little clip of him like they let them confront 
each other afterwards. And one prisoner's like, no, man, like, you, you, you fucked up my view of the world, basically. Wow. Um, like, I, I think ill of, like, people now, like, to just know that this could be waiting in anybody. And to this day, like, this guy, the guy, John Wayne, uh, his name's David something, he claims to be sorry, but, like, in interviews I see him, he still laughs when he talks about the things he did, and, like... He's, like, slightly cynical. You're a shitty person. Yeah. yeah like, you still did this to people, and basically, in the recorded interview, which I'm gonna try and find a way to, maybe I'll get this sound clip on Instagram or something, uh, he's basically like, oh, I don't see anything wrong with what I did, and I was just running my own little experiment, too. And the guy who he's been torturing is like, your own little experiment? Can you fucking tell me about that? Oh, my. So this whole thing was just fucked. Fucked from the get-go. So John Wayne starts really amping things up. Uh, they also uh, found ways to, like, mentally break up the prisoners with special privileges. Uh, the rebellion was crushed, but basically what they did was make one cell the privileged cell, and they mm-hmm. took whoever participated in the rebellion the least, put them in there, gave them beds gave them food to eat, and cut everybody else off from everything. Wow. Even food? <coughs> yes. Which is one of the things they weren't supposed to do. So unethical! Yeah. Oh! Uh, after half a day of this treatment, the guards then took some of these good prisoners and put them into the bad cells and took some of the bad prisoners and put them into the good cell thoroughly confusing all the prisoners. Some of the prisoners who were ringleaders now thought that the prisoners from the privileged cell must be informants, and suddenly the prisoners became distrustful of each other. Our ex-convict consultants later informed us that a similar tactic is used by real guards in real prisons to break prisoner alliances. For example, racism is used to pit others against each other I'm not going to use the racial words you wrote down here. It's like old school 70 descriptions. Oh, um, bony. Yeah. Uh, used to pit other prisoners against each other, creating greater solidarity amongst the guards, and now suddenly uh, this is no longer an experiment, no longer a simple simulation. Instead, the guards saw the prisoners as troublemakers who were out to get them, who might really cause some harm. In response to this threat, the guards began stepping up their control, surveillance, and aggression. Every aspect of the prisoner's behavior fell under total and arbitrary control of the guards. Even going to the toilet became a privilege which the guards could grant or deny at a whim. Every night after 10 p.m., which was lights out and lockup, prisoners were forced to urinate and defecate in a bucket which was left in their cell. On occasion, the guards would not allow prisoners to empty these buckets, and soon the prison began to smell of urine and feces, further adding to the degrading quality of the environment. Well, that's a health issue right there. Yeah. Oh my god. This, we're only 36 hours in. Jesus, the fucking 70s, man. Yeah. This is probably where all the uh, ethical codes came into play with experiments. Yeah, I think this is taught in psychology classes now as, like, what not to do. Yeah, literally, like, I'm racking through the checklist from my courses, and it's hitting every single, like, do not. Yeah. So, less than 36 hours into the experiment, 
Prisoner 8612 begins suffering from acute emotional disturbance, disorganized thinking, uncontrollable crying, and rage. In spite of all this, we, he says we had already come to think about think so much like prison authorities that we thought he was trying to con us into releasing him. Again, I said, because he put himself as prison superintendent yeah. and prison warden, and they're taking this shit real serious now. There's nobody supervising yeah, the, the superintendent. So they had their primary... They had an ex-con interview this college kid, and the ex-con scolded him for being weak, told him if he was in San Quentin, he would have never made it, and blah, blah, blah. And then they told 8612 that he could, they could get the guards to be nicer. Because 8612 has also been one of the ringleaders, like in the riot and stuff so far. Gotcha. So they said, well, you know what? We'll get the guards off your back if you want to go back and be an informant. So during the next count, prisoner 8612 told all the prisoners that you can't leave. You can't quit. This is real. This sent a chilling message and heightened the sense of really being imprisoned. 8612 then began to act crazy, to scream, to curse, and go into a rage which seemed out of control. It took quite a while before we became convinced that he was really suffering and that we had to release him. So this 8612 guy, Mm -hmm. his story's changed over the years. I'm curious about him. Um, So there's a good documentary to watch on YouTube. Uh, If you look it up on YouTube, there's a couple. It just says, like, Stanford Prison Experiment. You'll see a black and white picture. I think it's 39 minutes long. Um, Just a cool little documentary. You see good footage of when it was happening. You hear Zamboni talking a lot. Um, You'll hear the John Wayne guy talking and laughing about what he did and uh, trying to excuse what he did um but yeah you you see 8612 on this particular one now this is an older documentary Mm -hmm. and he says yeah I I freaked the fuck out like that got to me it got under my skin I lost it I lost control I lost my grip of reality later on he says no I faked it I was just trying to get out I had a test to take and they wouldn't let me study for it I don't know. I think they really got to him. I think they really got to him. I think they really got to him. Because, uh... And so, it, understandably so. Yeah. Understandably so. I mean, so. completely, like, you know, ripped apart from everything that you know, you're thrown in, you're completely desensitized to who you are, to what you know, to your just normal surroundings, and, um, there was actually a TV show, fuck, what was it, um, Confinement, or Solitary, I think it was? Solitary. A prison show? No, it was actually it was, it was a TV reality show where they took um, contestants and they put them underground in these like rooms Oof. and they blocked them off from everything. There was no window, there was no time, and they would literally sleep on these cots while being recorded. And uh, they would have to do like the series of like puzzles, and you would just see these people like slowly break and get crazier and crazier because you don't have any sunlight, Oof. you have no sense of time. And, like, it was insane. Yeah, thank you. Um, I loved watching it, but from early on, I thought to myself, like, wow, that's... Just imagining, like, that's what (laughs) being in confinement can do to you. That is crazy. And so I think uh, 8612, he got broken. 
I, I couldn't do it. I am very claustrophobic. Too. Oh, same. Um, I, have you watched, I think Netflix has a new game show out, like Sleep or something, or Awake? Like, they deprive you of sleep for 24 hours and then start making you do, like, uh, coordination tests and things like that. No. Oh, you don't have to. I don't. I'm proud of our, oh, no, until it hits the laptop. I wish I could, but I can't to get a full crack right now with the right hand. Oh, yeah, you can't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, gosh. I hope this, hold on. Oh, God. Wow, I just brought up a whole side screen on GarageBand. <laughs> that I don't so, um, Anya's hand is all messed up right now. Yeah, I fadey, fadey it's fucked all it up. One time, I was working at Jersey Mike's, and I sliced my hand, my thumb down the long way on a meat slicer. Oh, my God. Uh, you could see my whole tendon. You know that tendon in your thumb that if yeah. you cut it, it runs down your arm? Yeah, the big, fat, it curls up. one? Yeah. You could see it. The hand doctor was like, you are so lucky that you didn't touch that tendon. Oh. So I had 15 stitches in my thumb. My God. Um, it was my lighter hand. So, uh, you know, I was hanging out with my friends, and they were helping me smoke bowls, and then everybody went home, like, the first night. And I realized, like, fuck, how do I smoke? I managed to roll blunt, because I was using backwoods. Mm -hmm. So the, the backwood blunts are, like, instead of cutting up a cigar, you unroll, like, a tobacco leaf, basically. Uh, I managed to roll a blunt wow. and uh, light that motherfucker and smoke with no it. Thumb. Yeah, with no thumb. That's I did impressive. it with my with my two uh, my middle finger and my pointer finger. And here I am, just proud to be able to drive my stick shift. Hey, that's impressive too. Anyhow, so eight six one two did get released eventually. Okay, um, after they. they Quit dicking around. And I want to go with, yeah, he got, it was I, a psychotic break. I think so. I think so. I think maybe he was just trying to be, like, Mr. Tough Guy. Yeah, yeah, now that it's, oh, like, no, or Mr. Smart good. Guy, like, I yeah. outsmarted them or whatever. Like, yeah. no, bud, you broke down. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. It's right? okay. Yeah. Given those conditions, yeah, no, I think anybody would. Yeah, you know, I, I, so there's the movie, The Stanford Prison Experiment, like I said, I've, I got emotional watching that movie. I got mad. Like, it, it's hard. It's kind of a hard watch. Like, you have to remember, it wasn't as bad as going on in the movie, but still, I mean, actually, they don't show the shit buckets in the movie, though. Like, that's pretty bad. And that's PTSD for me. So, yeah. growing up, we didn't have a working sewer for about two years, and yeah. so we literally, at one point, like, we always got creative with new ways how we could use the restroom in our house, but at one point, we were shitting in a Home Depot bucket um, yeah. in a garage, and... That smell just, I mean, we always got rid of it afterwards, but yeah. it was like, oh, I could even imagine being uh, in a confined space, yeah, like the no basement way. of the no college. Way. Terrible. Oh. Well, the next day, turns out they were having visiting hour for parents and friends. Zamboni says, we were worried that when parents saw the state of our jail, they might insist on taking their sons home. No shit. Right? <laughs> you have shit sitting yeah. in there. To counter this, we manipulated both the situation and the visitors by making the prison environment seem pleasant and benign. We washed, shaved, and groomed the prisoners, had them clean and polish their cells, fed them a big dinner, played music on the intercom, and even had an attractive former Stanford cheerleader, Susie Phillips, greet the visitors. At oh, our Susie. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Susie Q over right? here. Right? When the dozen or so visitors came, full of good humor at what seemed to be novel fun experiment, we systematically 
brought their behavior under situational control. They had to register, were made to wait half an hour, were told that only two visitors could see any one prisoner, were limited to only 10 minutes of visiting time, and had to be under the surveillance of a guard during the visit. Before any parents could enter the visiting area, they also had to discuss their son's case with the warden. Uh, Of course, parents complained about these arbitrary rules. He likes the word arbitrary. But remarkably, they complied with them. And so they, too, became pit players in our prison drama. This guy, like, thinks he's a diabolical genius. Right? (laughs) And the fact that he, like, put himself in there as the highest player, too. Yeah, yeah, it's it's terrible. Some of the parents were upset when they saw how fatigued and distressed their son was, but their reaction was to work within the system to appeal privately to the superintendent, Zamboni, to make conditions better for their boy. When one mother told me she had never seen her son looking so bad, I responded by shifting the blame from the situation to her son. Well, what's the matter with your boy? Doesn't he sleep well? Then I asked the father, in the 70s, don't you think your boy can handle this? All the others can. Oh, my fucking God. (laughs) So the father said, of course he can. Come on. Come on, Mary. Quit bothering this nice man. Let's go. Right, he's probably like, you're being too emotional, Mary. Yeah. Let's get yeah. let's get back in the catalog. Let's go home and you. She's hysterical, I say, hysterical. Oh, Zamboni, that Mary, she's <laughs> quite the chipper, isn't she? We'll make sure she's okay. Yeah, yeah. Take care of her son, Zamboni. I'll get her some lewd. She'll be okay. <laughs> Valium back then, maybe. I don't know. I'm pretty sure they actually. Uh, was it cocaine a drug back then? In the 70s? I yeah. think it was illegal by then. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like 30s. 30s, 40s. 40s. Yeah. yeah, they were doing pills by, by the 70s. Yeah. You Qua- probably Quaaludes, took her home. And volumes. He's like, go take your happy pill, Mary. Yeah, happy pills. Go cook me dinner yeah, while you take go, it. Go put a roast in, take your happy pills. She's like, okay, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> the next major event we had to contend with was a rumored mass escape plot. One of the guards overheard the prisoners talking about an escape that would take place immediately after visiting hours. The rumor was as follows. Prisoner 8612 was going to round up a bunch of his friends and break in to free the prisoners. We We reacted with the concern over the security of our prison. What we did was hold a strategy session with the warden the superintendent, and one of the chief lieutenants, Craig Haney, to plan how to foil the escape. Oh my god, these titles, chief lieutenant? So, instead of stepping back and saying, let me watch how my experiment plays out, note, log, and write about it. Yeah, like an actual... He says, you ain't fucking with my prison, boy, and he jumps into superintendent prison mode. Jesus. And they're now rallying and having a meeting on what to do about this boy who's out there. Come totally just ruining your own experiment. Yeah. And I know, like, 18, 20 is adult, but now as a 34-year-old who works, you know, with 18 and 20-year-olds who, like, are hosts at the restaurants I work at and stuff, like, they're fucking kids. Mm-hmm. They're just little, bitty, tiny kids still. I mean, I'm only 23, and I still feel like a kid sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're not an adult. I don't think ever. No. 
again, like these are kids with their parents like coming to visit them and concerned. So, anyways, after our meeting, we decided to put an informant in the cell that eight six one two had occupied. The job of our informant would be to give us information about the escape plot. Then I went back to the Palo Alto Police Department and asked the sergeant if we could transfer the prisoners to their jail. He's so ingrained in... He thinks, like, he's doing a real prison-to-prison swap, like... He, like, actually thinks that he has a prison running a prison. My prison needs some help, right? Like, like when my restaurant runs out of basil and we go ask the people next door... Hey, can we have some basil? Yeah, he's like, hey... My prison's going to be under attack. Can we can we store some prisoners at yours? And, of course, the Palo Alto Police Department was like, no! Okay, cool. I was like, what was their response? No! Hey, hope it would be no. I would be like, fuck no! And Zamboni got pissed. Oh, Zamboni. Because he's like, superintendent to superintendent. You're not working with me here, bro. And probably real superintendent's probably like, you need to back the fuck up, Zamboner, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Remember your place. Oh. Looks like someone is just living out his long last childhood dream. Right? Like, <laughs> come on, fuck. man. And the thing is, when you hear this guy talk, he's very. I'm not making fun of gay people when I do this because how you talk obviously doesn't denote what you are sexually or anything. So, but he's very lispy and talks like this, and mm. it, it's very interesting because I before I heard him talk, like I'm just picturing this demon guy in my head, and he's like. So I went and asked if we can use the police department. (laughs) But it's mixed with this, like, Boston undertone, so it's like a a lispy Boston. (laughs) So weird. Yeah. Anyhow, so then we formulated a second plan. The plan was to dismantle our jail after the visitors left, call in more guards, chain the prisoners together, put bags over their heads, and transport them to the fifth floor storage room until after the anticipated break room. So they did that. And Zamboni himself just goes and sits in the middle of where the first prison was, waiting for 8612 to come. Thinking he's going to be like, ha, well, I sent everybody home already, so there is nobody to break out. (laughs) 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 And of course, 8612 never came. There was never a breakout attempt. However, while Zamboni was sitting there in the middle of his broken-down prison, one of his real colleagues, a real psychologist, came by and started asking him about what he was doing. And he's like, oh, yeah, your little prison experiment. And he says, so what's your independent variable, by the way? I was about to say, like, where are your variables? Where is your, your like... control. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, like, if you're doing an experiment... You have an independent and dependent variable and a control. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, if I want to see the experiment of water on metal to create rust, I would take two identical pieces of metal that you know are identical, Mm -hmm. cover one in water, cover one in knot. And uh, the one in knot is your control, and whatever happens to the one covered in water, you could assume is the effect of water on metal, creating, we know, rust. Uh, so he just has an experiment going has on. Has he with even no. been like writing down notes or logging any of this? Or tough to say. 
I think at some points they are, but... Mm, not everything. I feel like he's, like, sitting there, like, in his little warden glasses and stuff, swinging a baton, just, like... Like, fully in it, not Yeah, in it, just, like, like watching, watching the, the surveillance and stuff, yeah. Oh, my God, the lawsuits that would come out of this in today's age. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. So he says, I was sitting there all alone, waiting anxiously for the intruders to break in, when who should happen upon but a colleague and former Yale graduate student roommate, Gordon Bauer... Gordon had heard we were doing a prison experiment, and he came to see what was going on. I briefly described what we were up to, and Gordon asked me a very simple question. Say, what's the independent variable in your study? To my surprise, I got really angry at him. Here I am. I had a prison break on my hands. The security of my men and stability of my prison was at stake, and now I had to deal with this bleeding-heart liberal academic (laughs) ding-dong. He literally said, ding dong? Yeah. Oh, Zamboner, you were ridiculous. Right? Holy fuck. <laughs> Who was all concerned with the science of my experiment. <laughs> he says it wasn't until much later that I realized how far into my prison role that I was at this point. And I only think he's adding in stuff like this because he's been called out so hard yeah. at this point. He was caught red-handed yeah. for being a shitty-ass... Shitty. Shitty-ass shitty. fucking psychologist. Yeah. Should be strict to your title. So, unfortunately, all this extra work for the guards and the uh, higher-ups just caused them to be mad and caused the shit to roll, even more shit to roll downhill to the prisoners. The rumor of the prison break turned out to be just a rumor. It never materialized. Uh, He says we had spent the entire day planning to foil the escape. We begged the police department to help. I'm not fucking reading that again. Basically... The fact that he went to the actual police department and was like, hey, I need your help with my experiment yeah. police. And the, I just want to know what their, like, thinking was when they're hearing this. Like, are you fucking yeah, She's like, me? no, I'm not putting your college students in my prison. Yeah. <laughs> like, so far off. But because they had to break down the prison and reset it up, the guards are now pissy. And the level of harassment... Increased. Noticeably increased. Yeah. Uh, the humiliation increased. Uh, the pris- they were forced to do menial, menial, repetitive work such as cleaning the toilets with their bare hands. And this is that's like, a health. Yeah, like and again, it's always hard to say. It's always easier to say I would do this and not be in the situation. But watching the movie, reading all this, like I would have fucking been fighting people. Like, I would have, no, I would have walked the fuck out, and if you would have tried to stop me, like, I would have thrown fists up, like, let's go, like, like, no, you're breaking the contract, you're... Yeah, and, like, you know that you signed up to be a participant, but I guess, given the time that it happened in, you know, in our modern age, we are allowed an inside view into so many different areas where you you wouldn't know unless you're in it, and so, going back to the 70s, I could totally see where they probably actually thought that they were actually arrested and that they were actually at, being charged and held. Yeah. At, at this point, they are mentally breaking down. Yeah. But right there, it was like, you signed a contract of no physical... Um, yeah. I, the first day, I would have been... Yeah. First day. Yeah, I would have throat-punched one of these guards, like, right away. Like, fuck you. Oh, my God. Karate chest, Spartan kicked and... Yeah. Peace the fuck out yeah. of there. Yeah. Uh... 
Is so there any lawsuits that came out of this? No. What? No, surprisingly. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Holy it's fuck. Really amazing. You guys, whoever was in this, you guys missed your opportunity you to sure think. You sure did. You sure did. So Zamboni says, at this point, I invited a Catholic priest. Oh, the chaplain interviewed each prisoner individually, and I watched in amazement as half the prisoners introduced themselves by their number rather than their name without being told to. After some small talk, he popped the key question, Son, what are you doing to get out of here? When the prisoners responded with puzzlement, he explained that the only way out <coughs> was to get help from a lawyer. He then volunteered to contact their parents and get legal aid if they wanted him to. And some of the prisoners accepted this offer. The priest's visit further blurred the line between role-playing and reality. Yeah. So playing on this, Zamboni decides to hold a mock parole hearing for all the prisoners. I'm sorry, I jumped ahead. We gotta talk about Prisoner 819 first. Oh, 819. Yes, Prisoner 819 was the only prisoner who did not want to speak to the priest. He was feeling sick, he refused to eat, and he wanted to see a doctor rather than a priest. Eventually, he was persuaded to come out of his cell and talk to the priest and the superintendent so they could see what kind of doctor he needed. While talking to us, he broke down and began to cry hysterically. Just, uh... Just as the other two boys they had released. I guess they had already released one at this point. Uh, he says, I took the chain off his foot, the cap off his head, and told him to go rest in a room uh, adjacent to the prison yard, and that they, they'd bring some food and take him to see a doctor. He said, while this was going on, one of the prison guards lined up all the other prisoners and chanted aloud, Prisoner 819 is a bad prisoner. Because of what Prisoner 819 did, my cell is a mess, Mr. Correctional Officer. They shouted this statement in unison a dozen times. Zamboni said, as soon as I realized that 819 could hear the chanting, I raced back to the room where I'd left him and found that the boy was sobbing uncontrollably while in the background his fellow prisoners were yelling what a bad prisoner he was. The chanting was no longer disorganized and full of fun, as it had been the first day. Now it was marked by utter conformity and compliance, as if a single voice was saying 819 is bad. Um, the mental issues that probably stemmed after this. Like, I want to know how the participants are, like, how they were after the study. Yeah. 10, 20, 30 years even. Right. Because the mental impact that this must have left is, has to be... Terrible. Yeah. I suggested that we leave, but 819 refused. Through his tears, he said he could not leave because the others had labeled him a bad prisoner. Even though he was feeling sick, he wanted to go back and prove he was not a bad prisoner. Zamboni at this point had to say, Listen, you are not 819. You are Tony Robbins. Whatever the kid's name was. And my name is Dr. Zamboni. <laughs> I'm a psychologist, not a prison superintendent. And this is not a real prison. This is just an experiment, and those are students, not prisoners, just like you. Let's go. He stopped crying suddenly, looked up at me like a small child awakened from a nightmare, and replied, Okay, let's go. Wow. 
Fucking crazy. Fucking insane. This is where, like, it, I'm just, like, as we're going through this, I'm in my head, I'm thinking, like, I always say your your reality is from your mentality. Yeah. Your mentality creates your reality, and this truly proves it. If you are stripped down to that core and, like, your mentality is completely broken and reshaped by someone else, it's, like, you completely disassociated from what is the actual, from what is your reality. Yep. And now you're living in within another one. It's crazy. It's fucking insane. Yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, they, they've broken these kids already. I just, ah, legally, ah. Yeah. Like, being in the medical field, this is like, yeah. ah. <laughs> so, like I said, playing on uh, the pasture thing and the, the, the reality of their situation really sinking in. Zamboni set up a a parole board. The next day, all prisoners who thought they had grounds for being paroled were chained together and individually brought before a parole board. The board was composed mainly of people who were strangers to the prisoners, departmental secretaries and graduate students, and was headed up by the top prison consultant. We never get this guy's name, but he's the top prison consultant is the 17-year-old, or 17-year San Quentin inmate. Several remarkable things, this is Zamboni saying this, by the way, (laughs) occurred during these parole hearings. First, when we asked prisoners whether they would forfeit the money they had earned up to that time, if we were to parole them, uh, they agreed and said yes. Then, when we ended the hearings by telling prisoners to go back to their cells while we considered their requests, every prisoner obeyed even though they could have obtained the same result by simply quitting the experiment. Why did they obey? Because they felt powerless to resist? Their sense of reality had shifted and no longer perceived their imprisonment as an experiment. In the psychological prison we had created, only the correctional staff had the power to grant paroles. During the parole hearings, we also witnessed an unexpected metamorphosis of our prison consultant as he adopted the role of head parole board. He literally became the most hated authoritarian official imaginable. So much so that when it was over, he felt sick at who he had become, his own tormentor who had previously rejected his annual request for 16 years when he was a prisoner. Wow. So... Here's one thing I don't. I've listened and to a lot of documentaries and done a lot of research, and there was one I, I don't know exactly which one I was listening to, but somebody was saying how it's been brought up that like you hear recordings of these kids like screaming "Let me out" and crying for their mom and saying "I don't want to do this." And Zamboni apparently said, "Well, it was written in the contract that." The safe word is, I no longer want to be a part of this experiment. And he said, if you listen, nobody ever said that. That's not in the contract. Oh, damn boner. So people were literally yelling, let me out. I can't do this. And he denied. Denied. Because he thinks people are trying to con their way out of his prison. Yeah, I think, if anything, he was the one who got completely misconstrued. Absolutely thrown down this rabbit hole of his reality being completely shattered. Yeah. He says, by the end of the study, the prisoners were disintegrated, both as a group and as individuals. There was no longer any group unity. 
just a bunch of isolated individuals hanging on, much like prisoners of war or hospitalized mental patients. The guards had won total control of the prison, and they commanded the blind obedience of each prisoner. So they did replace the prisoners as they were sent out. Mm-hmm. After losing 819, they brought in prisoner 416. Now, all the prisoners so far had gradually been brought to the level of torment and harassment that they were now receiving. Oh, no. 416 is coming in off the original contract. Chucked right into it. And immediately sees, whoa, this is all fucked up. Right away is telling them you can't be doing this. He gets thrown in the hole right away. And the only thing he can think to do is a hunger strike, which he gets brutally punished for. Um, to the point where they pinned him down and were trying to shove breakfast sausage down his throat. Um, oh, this makes me so angry. Yeah. Oh, it makes my skin just and it's, crawl. It's real unfortunate. At one point, they, they left John Wayne, the sadistic guard, mm-hmm. gave an option to the inmates. You can give up your blankets, and we'll let uh, 416 out, and he can spend the night in a cell. Or keep your blankets, and he spends the night in solitary. Again, you can only stand up in this closet. Wow. A couple prisoners offered their blankets, but the majority said no. I mean, also, that falls... Once again, like, that kind of space, that is a... It's like a... That's a health issue. The original agreement was no more than one hour in the hole. And this is all night. Yeah. Uh, Zamboni says they did step in in this case and make them release him from the hole eventually. Good. I, don't, I would I hope. Don't, I don't know how long eventually is, though. Yeah, clearly with how he's, like, so sucked into this yeah. role. Yeah. Um, yeah. The end to the experiment. I'll, I'll read you in his words, and then I'll tell you my thoughts, too. I ended the study prematurely for two reasons. First... We had learned through videotapes that the guards were escalating their abuse of prisoners in the middle of the night when they thought no researchers were watching and the experiment was off. Their boredom had driven them to even more pornographic and degrading abuse of their prisoners. Second, Christina Maslach, a recent Stanford PhD and his current girlfriend and future wife, Came in to see how it was going, because uh, Zamboni wasn't sleeping at home or anything either. And when she came in, she saw the line of prisoners with bags over their heads, uh, shoulder to shoulder, being escorted to the bathroom. And she freaked the fuck out on Zamboni. Naturally. Yeah, and was. Uh, she said, it's terrible what you're doing to these boys, uh, you know, you're ruining kids' lives right now, yada yada. They got into an argument because she told them to cut off the experiment. Uh, And he says, you know, that's when I kind of rethought it and did. Now what I think is they got into this argument and he goes back to being prison warden and now he is seeing John Wayne lining up the prisoners doing mock butt sex. Uh, he made 416, like, act... First he was holding, making 416 just hold his arms in the air for no reason. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, you look like Frankenstein. 
and he made one prisoner be Frankenstein and one prisoner be Mrs. Frankenstein and he made them get like cheek to cheek and like say I love you and blah 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 and that was like uh did you ever hear about in Iraq I forgot what it was but it was when U.S. soldiers they Guantanamo Bay is that what you're talking about yes but not the ones that went to trial and everything I believe so and they had all the prisoners guess who was at their defense Dr. Zamboni. Shut Saying up. that they were a product of their environment. And wow. this this happened because they were put in this environment, not because they were sadistic piece of shit guards. <laughs> Zamboni came and got them a lighter sentence. Wow. Um, his studies just as of recently being, like, tore apart. Like, the, the, the video, the audio clip of him, like, prepping the guards, that's a recent thing that just came out. See, he... He, instead of... Um, Publishing this in a journal of his peers that gets reviewed by his peers, mm-hmm. he published it in the New York Times. You gotta be fucking kidding me. I don't even, you can't even be taken serious as no. a psychologist at that point. Like, nope. if you do any, any field of study, field of research, like any experiment regarding anything that you've gone to school for that you've dedicated, like, your research to, and you don't submit it for others to review, yeah, because you're either you're scared or you know that it's bullshit, you don't deserve that, that you don't deserve any of your no. criteria. No. You're a piece yeah. of shit person, So when it gets Zamboni. canceled, prisoners are mock butt-fucking each other by John Wayne's command. Uh, 416 gets locked in the hole again while they have the prisoners line up, come and bang on the door as hard as they can and yell at 416, say, thank you, 416. Like John they, Wayne, you're fucked up too. Yeah, that guy, David something, Melsham Mench. You don't even deserve to yeah. have your last name said. Yeah, I'm going to get you some audio clips, uh, hopefully on our Facebook or something. Uh, but yeah, he, he's an asshole too. Like He's like, yeah, you know, I was just playing the role I thought they wanted me to play. And yeah, I get that to a point. Yeah, but also um, like your natural just instinct should come in. Yeah. And you can see like... I get if you're playing a role, but my thing is with, like, human interaction, the second you look in someone's eyes, that's when you can, that's when you can tell, like, okay, this is... Yeah. Yeah. So the BBC redid this study the proper way. Of course. With a control. BBC always comes in clutch with that. Yeah. Um, The guards were not prompted with any direction or how to be or anything Mm -hmm. and what had happened is the prisoners stayed unified the guards were disorganized and no violent behavior came out of anybody oh weird would you look at that the proper way yeah so basically this you can pull so many outcomes of like you know what you think this study means Uh, Zamboni basically says that this inherent evil lies within all of us, and if you're put in a position of power, it's naturally going to come out of you. So, again, John Wayne was an asshole and a piece of shit, but you also prompted him to do this. Yeah, it's like Like you you conditioned him before even going into it. Like, you already kind of tweaked his mind. You reprogrammed his thought process. Yeah. It's like when... You're an actress or an actor, and you are role-playing or you're auditioning for a a part. Yeah. You have to sink into that character. And you are able to do that by getting those back notes. Yep. See, and I've heard of this experiment in the past, but I've never actually looked fully into it. It's crazy stuff. And after hearing about it, whoo, got my blood curdled a little bit. Got a little cheese curds floating around me right now. 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to play dangerous right here and see. Wait, it was pulled off after six days. Then you put a uniform on and are given a role, I mean, uh, a job. This is 416 talking to John Wayne. To keep these people in line, then you're not, certainly not the same person as if you were in street clothes and in a different role. You really become that person once you put on that khaki uniform, you put on the glasses, you put on, you take the nightstick and... You know, you, you act the part. That's your This that's is your John costume. Wayne talking right now. And uh, you have to uh, act accordingly when you put it on. It still is a prison to me. I, I don't look on it as an experiment or a simulation. It's just a, uh, a prison that was run by psychologists instead of run by the state. Yeah. I began to feel that 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 identity, that the person that I was that, that had decided to go to prison was distant from me. Was, was remote until finally I wasn't that. I was, I was 416. I was really my number. And 416 was going to have to decide what to do. It let me in on some knowledge that, that I've never experienced firsthand. Uh, I've read about it. I've read a lot about it. But I've never experienced it firsthand. I've never seen someone turn that way. And I know you're a nice guy. You know? You do you understand? I do. I do know you're a nice guy. Look, you just said it right there. Like, I don't, I don't that. get that yeah. because I know nice what you can turn me. into. I know what you're willing to do. If you say, oh, well, I'm not going to hurt anybody. Oh, well, it's a limited situation. It's over in two weeks. Well, you in position, what would you have done? I don't know. Oh, crap. doesn't have the rest. Hold on. Maybe I can find it. It's like literally right there in the interview. He even said it himself. Yeah, ah, it doesn't get to the part where he says... Basically, when he says, what would you have done, 416 come back, he's like, well, I wouldn't have been as creative as you, if you know what I'm saying. Hmm. And that's when John Wayne's like, well, you know, I was just doing my own little experiment. And he's like, your own fucking... <laughs> and it's yeah. like, you are not a psychiatrist, you are a student. Yeah. He's, he's a piece of shit, too. You want to run an experiment? You get that cleared yeah. by a higher up. And again, this is all Zamboni's fault for letting... Allowing them to think that they had that power yeah. and allowing it to go to this extent. Yeah, and not keeping it like a, an anonymous thing at first, too. Like, yeah, again, like it needed to be, a, honestly, a double-blinded study. You attracted this kind of people by yeah. saying prison experiment. Like You probably got the ones, like you said, like both sides. Yeah. And I honestly, like, if this experiment would have done, like, how BBC did it, done properly, it could have been a leading experiment for that time. Yeah. But because he fucked it up, so and then he got it published in the New York Times? Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. Not, not a peer-reviewed <laughs> journal. Just the New York Times. Ugh. So, yeah, Zamboni pulled a Zamboner. Um, but unfortunately, this guy's, like, going around teaching to this day. So you're, uh, he gives, still has oh, his yeah, criteria? He, he gives lectures. And, wow. And again, like I said, the Guantanamo Bay thing, that's... He backed it up. He's, yeah, he gets called in to trials and stuff. Like, it's... That's insane. Um, one thing that really helped it is right after he publishes the New York Times, like, two weeks later, Attica happened, which is the bloodiest, biggest prison riot in U.S. history. So they got to, like, basically put whatever results they felt like from his test towards that. Like, see, prison, you know... Prisons are inherently a violent place and blah, 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 so there, there's no reform necessary. It just needs to be 
No, and it's like the reason why they're violent is from the way that it's structured. Yeah. You're completely like just destroying human beings. You're stripping them down to animals. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you're, you're literally creating that product. Uh, so there's a clip um, or uh, a man who was released from an Ohio prison uh, who spent like months and months and months and months in solitary confinement mm-hmm. says, uh, you know, after being released, he, he says, I know thieves need to be punished, but what I went through was not necessary to punish a thief and he's like I will never steal again that's not because I'm reformed it's because now all I can think about is killing the people who did this to me and and it's just it makes you wonder why there seems to be a revolving door in prisons and jails and it's from the way that they're treated in there and what they're told it's when you're completely cut off from the rest of the world and that is your that's your new world, you're only a byproduct of it. Yep. You can't expect to have these grade A, you know, civilians coming back out when you're treating them like pieces of fucking yeah. shits. You're yeah. not even treating them like human beings. Oh. Ah. <laughs> wow. Sam Boner, you're a fucking dickhead, dude. Yeah. And I can tell you, I mean, even just from, like, serving tables and bartending, like, there's times I walk up and I'm like, hey guys, how you doing? Diet Coke. Oh. Okay, yep. so I'm not a person. Got it. Sets the yeah. mood right yeah. off the bat. Yeah, and like it. That makes me feel like shit, and that was just a two-second ordeal. Like, I, I can only imagine, imagine being, yeah. Two years and something oh, like that. God, terrible. So, yeah, Stanford Prison Experiment canceled after six days. Thank goodness yeah. for the... Common sense, we'll say, of his girlfriend who walked in and saw this she's atrocity. Still she's still married to him. Oh, honey bun, you fucked yeah. up. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, if I was with somebody who was running that kind of, even just walking in on that, that is, that's showing the truest, deepest character. Because he was excited, too. Like, hey, look at this. Look what I got going on, you know? Yeah, it's like there's so many basic, just like ethical and moral codes being yeah. broken. And he was confused as to why she was upset. Because <laughs> like she's a human? He had to go back to the video and see the boys mock butt fucking each other to be like, oh. Oh, yeah, that's the. And, it, and again, they're not wearing underwear under these mid thigh length schmucks that they're wearing. So it's pretty much like they're having him fucking... Like, his balls are bouncing against his ass, for sure. Oh, my... And just, like, imagining the participants afterwards, completely different. Absolutely. Completely changed. Like, you heard 416 saying right there, like, he... He he no longer felt like his old self. Yeah. And it just makes you think about the prisons. Like, you're sending people in there, you're doing very similar stuff. Not... Maybe that degree, but uh, in the sense and no bueno. Makes me want to throw up. Well, disgusting. Zamboni, you're our douchebag of the week. Douchebag of the week <laughs> is Zamboni. We we made that up just for you. Yes, we did. <laughs> you, you, you're our douchebag of the year until we come across a bigger DB in, yep. in a show. So. You're the honorary douchebag of the show. Yep. Thank yep. you, Mr. Zamboner. Yeah, until we find a bigger boner than you. You're a fucking soft dick, dude. Oh, God, he sucks. <laughs> um, yeah, watch the movie. 
watch the footage on YouTube. It's all it's all pretty decent. The movie pissed me. It just fills me with rage. Like, oh, you just want to punch somebody. I can't even imagine watching after just like the show. Oh, I'm gonna so... go home and watch it. Probably gonna punch something. Yeah, it's hard. Like the I, anger. I'm mad right now because I don't have the same. Because I've been researching this for like a month, so I don't have the same like rage that I've. Been. I gotta drive home with this rage. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Listen to some oh. music. And fuck shit. Just up. let yeah, it out. Rage. Anyhow, that's it. That's all. This was a long one. Thanks for thanks for sticking with us. If you stuck with us, appreciate you guys. We won't stick you in solitary confinement. Yeah. Uh, so next Monday. Next Monday. Next Monday or this this coming mo- Monday. Monday. Yeah, Monday. Monday. We got the Enlightened Lounge. Are you guys ready? Making its world debut. Um, tell them how to spell it. So the Enlightened Lounge. It's pretty simple. The Enlightened, uh, E-N-L-G-I-H-T-N-D. And then Lounge. So you, got, just, you got that? You got that? You guys got that? You got that. Spell it the way she just spelled it. That's going to be out on iTunes. That's going to be out on Spotify. That's going to be out on whatever you're listening to this on right now. Yep. Easy I'm enough. Be in your Easy enough. So uh, make sure you listen. Give her that five-star rating and a comment. And uh, make sure you give us that five-star rating and a comment. And make sure you follow us at SP Weird World at Instagram. We're also on Facebook. You can follow me at Greg's Weird World on Instagram. I've, I've been getting like a post a weekend lately. I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm trying to do it. I'm trying to do it. And you can follow Anya at Anya Daniela yeah. at Instagram. I'm working on a post a month, you know. I'm working on my way back She's up doing there. it. She's doing it. We're, 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 she gets a little more than me. Um, but we're working on it. We're working on it. Slowly but surely, guys. Um, and, you know, give me time with the uh, the Facebook post for the episode because I do work in the morning, so I, I can't come home and do it all till like, the afternoon. So if you're that, like, right away Wednesday morning early listener, you're going to have to do a little Googling. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I'll get everything else to the Facebook. Definitely watch some of this footage. you got to watch the real footage. It, it really makes it. And uh, anything else? Um... No, I just think there's one last thing. I think you guys better go ahead and uh, uh, keep, keep it weird! <laughs> I began to feel that I was losing my identity, that, that the person that I call Clay, the person who, who put me in this place, the person who volunteered to, to go into this prison, because it was a prison to me, it still is a prison to me. I, I don't look on it as an experiment or a simulation. It's just a, a, a prison that was run by psychologists instead of run by the state. I began to feel that that, that identity, that the person that I was that, that had decided to go to prison was distant from me, was, was remote until finally I wasn't that. I was, I was 416. I was really my number. And 416 was going to have to decide what to do. Once you put a uniform on and are given a role, I mean, uh, a job, saying your job is to keep these people in line, then you're not certainly not the same person as if you were in street clothes and in a different role. You really become that person. Once you put on that khaki uniform, you put on the glasses, you put on, you take the nightstick, and, you know, you, you act the part. That's your, that's your costume, and uh, you have to uh, act accordingly when you put it on. It harms me. Why? I mean harms. I mean in the present tense, it harms me. How did it harm you? How does I know what you can turn into. I know what you're willing to do. If you say, oh well, I'm not going to hurt anybody. Oh well, it's a limited situation. It's over in two weeks. 
Well, you in position, what would you have done? I don't know. I can't tell you, but I know what I'd do. Would you believe? I don't think, I don't believe I would have been as inventive as you. you mean I that? don't believe I would have applied as much imagination to what I was doing. Do you understand? Yes, I understand. Uh, I think I would have been a guard. I don't think it would have been such a masterpiece. Uh, I didn't see where it was really harmful. It was degrading, and that was, that was part of my particular little experiment to see how I could... Uh, Your particular little experiment? Yes, Why don't you tell me about that? I was, I was running little experiments of my own. Tell me about your little experiments. Okay. I'm curious. I wanted to, to see just what kind of verbal abuse that people can take before they start objecting, before they start flashing back. Yeah. Under the circumstances, and it surprised me that no one said anything to stop me. No one, no one. I started to get abused people so much. I started to get so profane that, uh, and still people didn't say anything.